Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 89 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today, very delighted to have on uh, Framboise Gomendi, someone that I've always wanted to uh, speak to on the podcast, and uh, we really had a great chat about several different things. We all know Framboise. Uh, she's the co-founder, co-creator of squashsite.co.uk, which is by far the go-to website for the squash community in terms of uh, basically getting the, the results of tournaments and the insight from the players in the tournaments uh, and, the, and uh, everything around uh, squash in that regard. We're really lucky to have uh, have that website because it's updated uh, almost on a daily basis and we talk about uh, squash site quite a bit uh, on the podcast but um, over the years uh, one of the things that's really impressed me with uh, Fram is that you know the, the the way she's cultivated and established really uh, unique and special relationships with uh, with the players uh, on the PSA tour uh, and uh, over several generations as well. Um, and this uh, allows her which, uh, to create what she has on Squash Site, uh, which is a beautiful, intimate uh, approach to her, her reporting of the squash. Her journalistic approach is uh, quite intimate. And uh, I think we all appreciate that and what she brings uh, to us in that regard. So we talk a little bit about that. And uh, one of the reasons I actually I, I really tried to uh, reach out to her this time around is uh, at the as we know during this season, uh, several of uh, the players, several players have retired, uh, many of whom uh, obviously she knows them quite well, and she gave impassioned uh, tributes to uh, the likes of Nicole David. Uh, Nick Matthew, uh, Laura Massaro, Jenny Duncalf, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and um, I forgot to mention uh, Rami Asher, and we talk at length about uh, you know a, a few anecdotes and stories, and uh, you know how she felt, uh, how she feels about this season. And when I asked her uh, about the 2018-19 campaign, I went on to talk about the. Um, you know, what a great season it was in terms of the quality of squash, but she right away uh, pointed out that for her was the loss of these players, and uh, she got a little bit emotional about that, and you'll, uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about in the podcast. Uh, so it was a wonderful uh, chat with Fram. It really it was well worth the wait, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Fram Gomendi on episode 89. <clears throat> Uh, really happy today uh, on episode 89, I believe, to have on uh, one of the game's most prolific uh, and respected squash journalists. She's the founder, creator of Squash Site, which is uh, the most widely read of today's online squash publications. Fram Bois Gomendi's my guest. Fram, uh, very delighted uh, to have you uh, on the podcast Bonjour. and to be talking to you today. Bonjour, bonjour. Bonjour. First of all, I, you know, if you don't mind, sure. you know, I always hear you talking to us and, you know, telling us, you know, asking us questions, but sure. could you give us a bit who you are and, you know, what you, because it's quite interesting. I found that fascinating what you've done. So oh, thank far. you. Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, for me, I'm a long time, uh, long time squash player uh, in my own little mm -hmm. niche, uh, my own little community. I had a, a relatively decent career I'm from Canada, uh, Nova Scotia mm -hmm. to be exact. And um, I was, the top player in the province for many years, especially as a junior, I was number one in the region. And uh, mm -hmm. then I, uh, I went on to go to university, graduated, and uh, 
currently teaching uh, overseas in the UAE at a college here. But I've been around the world, more or less. I was in South Korea, where I played a lot of squash. Uh, I played uh, with the national team. They're not on the team, but I, I helped coach uh, quite a few of the guys when I went there. because Squash was in its infancy mm -hmm. there. And we traveled quite a bit throughout Asia and made many contacts over the years. And uh, uh, I've, I've played Jonathan Power in my junior days. So uh, I know okay. quite a that few of the... That was my next question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do mention uh, his name and just what I think uh, someone told me once that I've, I've said his name in every podcast that I've oh, had. Oh, bless so. him. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do, uh, uh, Jonathan grew, well, in his early years, um, he lived in Atlantic Canada, which is uh, in the province of Prince Edward Island. His father, John, was a uh, in the military there, and uh, he got his start in squash uh, there. So I got to know him a little bit at that time, and then uh, knew him through his junior career. So I, uh, yes, I've, that's basically in a nutshell my squash uh, background. And uh, currently, I, I still play quite a bit and uh, enjoy the game and enjoy. Uh, doing this as it turns out <laughs> and, and how did the, the the podcast idea came to you uh, well it came to me basically um, well I had this idea for uh, my job to do a podcast on sort of just talking to other teachers and other faculty at other universities mm -hmm. overseas yeah and, what, what uh, do you teach what, what do you teach what is your uh, right now I teach uh, English basically is a okay. second language, but okay. uh, I'm teaching other sort of different content, but it's okay. uh, we tweak it so that second language students can understand what they're yeah. sort of the yeah. content. So because a lot of where I teach, it's all in English, but they don't speak English as a first language. So we have to yeah. try to tweak it there. But um, yeah, so it came from Do there. You and then you use the recording to help that? Exactly. Yeah, the podcast and just, well, no, just to get other experiences from other teachers who teach overseas and their sort of stories uh, about that. But uh, I'm a big podcast listener. And for, for the longest time when I started um, uh, listening to podcasts, I'd always be searching for squash podcasts. And there were a couple out there, yeah. but hardly, I mean, I, I like, I like a weekly podcast and there's, you know, there was one guy who had one every like three months, he put one up and uh, there was another one that sort of just stopped uh, the podcast had, had uh, has stopped uh, going on. So I just thought, why not do something more consistent? And uh, mm -hmm. this is uh, now we're into 89 episodes uh, over yeah. almost two years now. So and, and in your opinion, what what made it um, special? Why uh, were you able to actually continue? interest a lot of people whereas you know quite a lot of people actually stopped you know what i mean what, yeah. what made you able uh, to get, go on and, and be you know well i think i mean there are several reasons i think the first reason is just my knowledge of how a good podcast works because i do listen to several good ones and just following the way that that these uh very professional podcasters do their work they you know they they have uh, maybe a field what, whatever it is in the field you don't need to always have uh, the world number one on your podcast you can you can okay. have uh, mm -hmm. different ideas of uh, people from around the community which is what I tend to try to do and uh, I'm just mm -hmm. really passionate about 
squash and all aspects of, of the game. And I think that's sort of driven me to keep it going. And I know that from the beginning, my goal was to do one a week. And if I knew if I could do that, mm-hmm. it, would become, it would become a routine. And uh, it has become yeah. my routine. And now I feel like... Recording, planning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, now when I don't... Uh, so if I miss a week, then I kind of feel like I've uh, dropped the ball. So uh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. And what, what, what do you feel is... Um, how I mean, I know what I, when I interview people, what, what I try to get out of them. But what is your aim? You know, when you talk with somebody... What is your aim? What, what do you try to make? What, what is the message you want people to receive from that interview? Well, first and foremost, I, I want to ha- establish a good rapport with the person I'm interviewing. So I don't mm-hmm. want to make them feel uncomfortable. So I try to identify, you know, things within the, whatever it is, their, their squash career, or their, you know, their playing career, or their journalistic uh, career and identify you know, maybe a little bit about their backstory, something that of interest that the people would like to hear and not make it, uh, just make it interesting and make it sort of anecdotal as well. Uh, not necessarily mm-hmm. um, an interview per se, but more like a, uh, a conversation. And I think those are the best chat. ones. Yes. Ch- yeah. Chat. Yeah. That's what I try, try to achieve. And uh, yeah, it seems to have worked worked well really well up until now I do a lot of you know I do a fair bit of research and I think that really helps because if you don't kind of know what you're getting into and you just say oh I'm going to interview uh Fram uh, uh Gomendi and then I you know as it turned out I've, I found out quite a bit about your backstory uh, in <laughs> in uh, preparing for this and, and it's quite interesting and I th- I'm sure some people are aware of it but I probably quite a few people aren't and uh, I think it's be nice to uh, yeah, to yeah, share that yeah. <laughs> well yeah it's um i think is uh you know sometimes we've got um oh got a bit of noise here i'm not sure what it is i hope you're not listening to I, that. I can't hear that no no good um well cairo is full of very you know <laughs> weird <laughs> things happening all the time yeah, um, yeah i think life puts us in different situations all the time so you can do something for about five years, 10 years, and then your life changes completely. And sometimes you don't refer to your past life as something of value for today's life. You know what right. I mean? Right. So yeah. Yeah, I understand, you know, it's, and my life is full of things like that. You know, I've done so many different things. And sometimes I've got friends saying, oh, but you did that. You never told me. Well, never <laughs> it was that relevant, you know? Right. So, yeah. You've moved on, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, it's done. It's, it's, you know, and even sometimes you think, oh, well, I did, you know, dance with that person or I did have that, you know, meeting with that person and I did achieve that. And it's nice, you know, maybe when I, when I, when I arrive up there, you know, I will say, oh, well, actually I didn't do too bad, but uh, I, I always try to live in, you know, the present really, you know, I always say here now, what do I live here now? You know, yeah. trying to have the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just to, in terms of talking about the content on, on my podcast, I think one of the most, uh, one of my favorite podcasts was one that wasn't, you know, necessarily a glo- didn't have much global appeal. But I think if you went in and actually listened uh, to it, it, it was more of a prevent Nova Scotia. We have a province called uh, Newfoundland, and I'm quite mm-hmm. uh, quite friendly with with a lot of the 
the, the people there in the squash community. I know them quite well. And so I had a few of the guys on to talk about the history of squash in that province. And it just mm -hmm. turned out to be such a, an amazing uh, chat. Lots of fun, lots of great stories and uh, some history of this of squash that most people may not have been aware of. And uh, it turned out mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. one of the, the one of the most exciting episodes for me anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the cast. Of, yeah, the, the cast of characters just made it that that uh, it was very fun to do so. But I really, uh, I really enjoy uh, uh, what you do, uh, Fram. And you, uh, I mean, it's really great to to see Squash Side. It's uh, unique in the way that you've you've built it up. And I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that, uh, or a lot about that later on. But before uh, we get into that, the the Super Series Final in Cairo, which is where you are now, just uh, just came to a what I would say a highly successful uh, conclusion. Renee El Walili. Uh, reaffirming her status as the world number one and played just incredibly well, I thought. And then uh, Kareem Abdul-Gawad, uh, per my personal uh, favorite player. I've got a man crush on him, by the way. Um, uh, he he uh, held off Mohamed Abulgar uh, to win that one. So what were your overall mm -hmm. impressions uh, of Cairo as the, the new venue for the season finale? And how did you think it all uh, played out in the end? Well, if, you know, it's all due to um, the support, basically, of, of uh, Ziad El Turki, who, you know, has been, you know, doing the, the event for, for a lot of time now, uh, mm -hmm. after Broadgate, you know, stopped, and he took over, um, right. and he's been, you know, supporting and, you know, basically paying for a lot of things himself, and, you know, this year he passed the, 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 the baton to, um, to Karim Darwish with, with the PSA, who took over, uh, and they they all did an amazing. When you think that it was done in six weeks, and that includes mm. you would know the Ramadan period, right, right. The, uh, you know, eight period, which means like nothing happened. So basically, yeah. Karim and his and his uh, team managed to put up a, a major event uh, in three weeks. Um, it's it was it's it's a, you know complete success, complete success. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, there's nothing I can say, oh, well, that didn't work or, you know, that was, no, it's, you know, it's, it was amazing, to be honest. Uh, you, you wouldn't expect that with a six-month preparation. It no. was set in a beautiful, what we call park, which is in the middle of um, a very brand new uh, mall called Mar Mall of Arabia. Um, it was actually one of the sponsors, Marrakez, who was, you know, who, who helped, you know, Karim with that. It, you know, the, the players were really looked after you know it, it was it was wonderful uh, the only thing personally i thought that the the, the stands were a bit too far away from the court okay that is yeah the only thing you can say mm, you know but when that is the only problem you don't have any problem absolutely you know? uh, that, that was one thing i noticed and uh, in the beginning i was a little bit skeptical because i was watching uh, on squash tv uh, a, a lot of it and uh, i couldn't hear uh, many of the spectators and I just thought is there anyone there uh, because yeah, actually the it was very funny because the commentators from from squash tv were like oh well there's not much you know they don't clap or, and I was like I was in the stand I was like are you kidding they're clapping like mad but it doesn't go <laughs> yeah. through the mics it actually doesn't go through the mics you know they were they were not happy about you know sometimes but 
the fact that the Egyptians were not supporting, you know, clapping the foreigners. Well, they actually were, <laughs> yeah. not as much as, but they were actually, you know, clapping Sarah Jane and they were clapping, you know, Camille and all that. You just couldn't hear that, yeah. you know, whereas I was in the stand and I could hear the support and I was like, oh, well, that's pretty good. So, you know, sometimes the mics were not picking up those, those uh, reactions from the crowd. Yeah, it was uh, it was tough to pick it up, but but not in the finals. The finals uh, definitely it was a raucous uh, uh, crowd that was there. Uh, it was really uh, well, uh, you could was, tell the people was, were. Um, it was yeah, it was helped with you know with the 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 the, the suspense and as the mm. CIB sponsor called Usama Baza, we we call him the Godfather of squash uh, <laughs> okay. in Egypt. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. He's really supporting with the bank you know, extraordinary work he's doing. And he said, you know, he, uh, he really cares a lot for, for Ranim. And, mm. uh, and he went, you know, she nearly gave me a heart attack. She, she gave us a heart attack, you know. I, I couldn't take it anymore. So the suspense for the crowd was immense. You had, you know, um, Camille playing extraordinary well in the beginning. Oh, um, yes. But yeah. Ranim was a bit, you know, a bit nervous and, you know, a bit, you know, feeling the pressure. And Camille's length and power in the ball in French, we say, poids dans la balle, you know, which is, she was really, every shot of a purpose. Mm. And ran into the first game, I think it was 11-3, and then tried to come back in the second, I think it was 11-8 from memory. Um, And then, um, you know, the thing I think is that Ranim had spent the DPD Open, which was in Holland, coming back (laughs) from two of down, you know, it was every time was five games, and although what I call the old Ranim probably wouldn't have gone for too much and, and put everything in the team. In that instance, she knew she could do it. Yeah. She didn't have to push. It. She didn't have to rush it. She didn't have to go too quickly to the to the team, you know, to, to, to the winner, uh, and that made the difference. She knew she could do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, back, uh, you know, offered the crowd, you know. An immense gift, which is, you know, your, your, your guy has lost and, you know, Sandy's back. And I, like I said in my report, you know, it was the first time ever I saw her mum uh, in tears. I mm. saw the mum, you know, handling uh, the defeat against, you know, uh, against Nicole in the Wadi Degla uh, 2014, you know, uh, where Ranim was one point away from, from the match. And she never, you know, she was always composed and supported. And in this instance, she was in tears. She was mm. absolutely, she, she didn't, you know, it was amazing to see for me, even if the match was not, you know, as uh, intense you would like because, well, there was two games where, you know, one played well and the other didn't. The second game where it was, you know, so it was not text, uh, uh, tactically, I mean, you know, what you were seeing on the, on, the, on the court was not as immensely, you know, interesting as it mm. sometimes mm. can be. But the emotions of the crowd and the emotions of the mom and the emotions of, you know, everybody I was sitting next to the, to the Camille's camp um, on the same sofa, they put me there. So it was quite interesting to see, you know, all these emotions erupting, which is my thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I'm an emotion person. I mean, I watched, uh, I watched that match and uh, it was a tale of two Renims, I think. Uh, and also, well, Camille yeah. just played very, very well throughout the tournament. And she's, a, she's just so graceful and so uh, technically so good on court. But Renim just changed her game there at the, at the end. And it, she, that was some of the best squash I've ever seen her play, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed.
Yeah. And then um, also in the final there with the, on the men's side, as I mentioned, Kareem Abdul-Gawad, what is it about Cairo that brings out uh, the best in him? Because, uh, I mean, he had a tough match there in the final. Uh, Mohamed Abulgar uh, played very, very well. And it was a, could have gone either way there at the end, but uh, Kareem really, um, well, the, the really played thing, well. You know, they are, they are- yeah, you know, they are very, very good friends. That starts like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, there is a picture that I've posted on, you know, on my Instagram, on my uh, my Twitter, you know, with them two at the end, you know, sitting next one to each other, laughing their heads off, you know, yeah. um, and uh, just after the match. Um, it's like, you know, Karim with, with Tarek, they, you know, moment they, they, they train a lot together. There's, you know, with Ali, it's, it's a big community. You know, mm. so for, you know, so they know each other's game. They they are relaxed playing each other's game. It's not like you know they know what to expect. Yeah. Um, they're home. They've got their family. Karim, like I said to him in my, my interview, I said, I, you know, I, I never thought you would make it to the final, and he replied, I didn't think of it either. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've got to realize that Karim just got married, and it right. means that he just got close to his wife for the first time of his life. You know, this mm. is what it means in Egypt. It's not you know. Uh, it's not something that, you know, uh, we, it's not like, oh, we are getting married and we've been living together for two years. No, 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 no. It's huge. <laughs> this right, is the week right. this yeah. is where everything right. happens. I'm not going to make your drawing, but I'm sure you understand what I'm no, saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, so imagine, you know, on the Friday, he's making, you know, he's dancing with his wife and the wife, you know, all night they're dancing. And then what happens, happens. And then two days later, he's on the court playing Paul Cole, of all people, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on a one court. Su- Superman. You know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And I thought, nah, that's going to be 15 minutes to pull, you know, and halas, you know, no, no, no problem there. Yeah. And he won the match. And he, I think that from there, it was like, no expectations. He played his base squash. He doesn't have any, you know, any, any fear, any pressure, any, you know, his wife is watching. They are, you know, they're on, on their way to the honeymoon. This is a bonus. You know, yeah, this is no yeah. pressure, absolutely. no, you know, and uh, and against Abu, Abu is the one of the top, you know, one of the most gifted players on the on, on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the brain is connected, I often <laughs> yeah. compare him yeah. to to Shabana before he got his ma- you know, before Najla, his wife, got into his life, uh, because you never knew if it was him or his grandmother arriving on court. You never knew. Well, yeah. with with you know Abu, it's the same thing. You never know if he's going to turn up or if the, the teen machine, you know, is going to turn up. And right. that night, right. it was the, you know, the, the magician, incredibly gifted, no errors that turned up. And yeah, that, 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 that was really noticeable, wasn't it? I mean, in the matches where he's come so close in the past to, to, to breaking through with big wins, he'd make a mistake, a few mistakes right at the end. But that didn't happen uh, this time. Well, actually, the last ball is actually a teen, if I remember well. Yeah. Which is, you know, he had made four in that in that game, um, uh, and it's so very funny because he didn't make that many. That's what I say in my report. You know, he didn't make that many, and of course, on the last, you know, it is actually a, a team, which was quite, you know, sad because he, yeah, yeah. he had worked so hard to to prevent that from happening. You know, the ten all. You know, it's it's uh, it's, uh, it's all it's anybody's. Um, yeah, so it, it's. I think he 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 worked a lot on his fitness, Abu. I think his uh, fitness coach is, is called Gorg or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, with a very strange name. I saw him in, uh, in, in the British Open. He was there. 
G-O-R-G, I think G-O-R-G. the name. Okay. And, okay. Yeah, uh, and I think he's been working very, very hard uh, on his fitness because probably the fact that he was going for you know too much was because he was getting tired. Uh, so right. I guess now he's getting much stronger physically. Well, the teens under pressure seem to disappear, which you know will probably make him a top three players if he keeps like that in the next six months. You know, yeah, absolutely. What I feel. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting next year. You've got we so... need another Egyptian at the top because there's not yeah. enough. Oh, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more of this they just they just don't stop coming do they <laughs> no they don't no. it's like a big factory somewhere you know yeah, stop yeah. Producing. that's exactly what it is yeah no but in fact you know it's not difficult to see i mean it's not difficult to see everybody's oh what is the secret of egyptian squad well just come here just come here you know and mm. come and see a local tournament yeah come and see the the 600 under 11 kids you know, playing for, you know, 10 matches a day by court on seven courts, you know. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. out of those 600 <laughs> under 11, <laughs> you know, and that's yeah. it. And then you've got the parents that put a lot of money, a lot of money, a lot of time. You know, the mums are driving the kids all over the, you know, the, 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 the country to make sure that their, their kids have got the best tournaments, the best coaches, the best, you know, training all the time. They are there, they are watching, they are supporting. They are actually sometimes annoying, you know, the, 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 the coaches. Um, they are very, very um, present, the parents. If you see the local tournaments, um, they, they are shouting at, the, at their kids, they are shouting at the, at the, <laughs> the rest. They are, you know, it's, it's all very, very intense. Um, so believe me, when they arrive on a normal tournament, it's a relief. It's a normal <laughs> It's uh, a holiday. <laughs> absolutely. Like yeah. So no, that's the, the secret. Just yeah, come yeah, I'm sure that I guess that the, the difficult thing for, for other countries, I mean, you could go over there and sort of try to replicate what their coaches are doing, but you can't replicate the, uh, the participation levels, can't you? Well, it's not only that. It's also the fact that it's all grouped. If you look at England, if you look at France, which are examples I do know, you've got dozens, hundreds of little clubs all over the country, okay? Uh, So it is very hard for the clubs themselves, for the federations to organize, you know what I mean? A sort of of detection and then a a support. Whereas in Cairo, in Egypt, you've got like a few big clubs and you've got it in Alexandria, now you've got one in Tanta, but basically it's all very, I'm not going to say easy, but you can find them because you know where to find them. Mm. They're all grouped mm-hmm. and right. you can, you know, it's much easier to actually nurture because they're all together and they play together and they see the best players coming to the club, you know, they, they, they coach them, they, they, they see them play. So that it's so different when you have, you know, to, as an example, uh, a, a player of like 50 that, you know, just started squash a year before, or you've got you know, Ali Fatal, you've got, you know, Rani Melwilili playing. It's not the same models, is it? No, no, exactly. Oh. Yeah. Are you gone? No, I'm, I'm here. Can you hear me? I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> Welcome to Cairo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Fram, let's, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a, a little bit about the evolution of what you've, uh, what you've done and your interest in, in squash, just to give a bit of a backstory. So where, when I, 
I, I know you started out, or maybe many years ago, you were you were. Oh, I'm so sorry, I can't hear you. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it's it's a bit difficult. I can't hear you. I just heard actress. Actress, yes. Can can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Okay. Yeah. What I was just saying. Well, don't don't worry. By the way, I can I can edit all of this, so it's uh, not yeah, going to be an issue. But um, uh, now, before we uh, take a look at your when. Uh, how the your squash uh, journalism career has uh, evolved. Uh, I know before that, uh, I, I could be wrong, but before that you uh, had an acting career. So just, uh, I know uh, you don't want to talk too much in, in depth on that, but just give us a little bit of a backstory on, on that part of your your career before you started into squash. Yeah, basically, um, I, I I was an actress. Uh, I still am, actually. I'm still getting little jobs here and there. Oh, good. Okay. Um, um, but um, basically, a um, few years in uh, in Paris, um, <clears throat> working, you know, trying to make it as 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 an actress while um, working little jobs to survive. And one of them was actually working for the French Federation. Um, uh, and then uh, a big break. Uh, for uh, BBC Soap, uh, which unfortunately was, was short-lived. Then um, a lo about 20 years in England, doing a lot of voiceovers and, you know, being lucky enough to have a, a, a good job as, as a voiceover actress uh, in England, doing, you know, lots of games, lots of adverts, lots of, you know, documentaries, which were very, very interesting to do, where I developed, uh, you know, in a, the mic. I, I love mics. I, lo I love the mics. I love, you know, working uh, around television and all that. That was very important for me, hmm. much more than the, the live um, theater. I like it, but not as much as television and, and mic jobs. Right. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, it, 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 I was earning very well my life, but having a lot of time on my hands and I was pretty bored. And <laughs> life made me really uh, start uh, reporting on squash and then unfortunately that took over and I say unfortunately because financially <laughs> it right, was right. a good idea um, so yeah it, you know so then my my career as you know as an actress had to decrease because every time somebody calls me and I'm like well I'm sorry but I'm in Cairo's I'm you know I'm, I'm this and I'm, I'm covering in you know so that that reduced my career so right. basically that's it you know um, I, 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 I just love my, my, my job as an actress, uh, but it sort of, like, like I said, life decided for me that, you know, squash was actually the thing that I needed to do then. Well, you have a great passion for, uh, obviously you had a passion for acting as you must, as you just said, but uh, you have a, a tremendous passion, luckily enough for us, for the game of squash. Uh, and thankfully, uh, now we have uh, things like Squash Site, uh, which is your your uh, your beautiful uh, website. Now, um, did you play at all? Yeah, it's not Fran? just mine. J just make it, things sh sh clear. You yep. know, it's not just mine. You know, Steve Cubbins. So uh, Steve Cubbins, of course, and, yeah. In November, you know, yeah, I met November Steve in uh, I met Steve in Dubai uh, last last year at the yeah. Super Series mm -hmm. final. Which I couldn't, which I couldn't make because of my brother's, you know, uh, stroke. Right. Uh, I was, I was, I had a, you know, unfortunately yes, that was sir. very sad. But yeah. yeah. But no, Steve, you know, Steve and I, we, we are, we work together. I mean, uh, uh, you know, without him, it, it couldn't happen. And you know, uh, so let's make sure that you know absolutely. people realize that. Apologies, Steve, if you're listening. Master. You know, it's it's absolutely, you know, it's not my baby. It's you know, I'm his work wife, as as they say. 
you know, um, <laughs> yeah. but, um, um, it's now he, he, he's, you know, the reason why Squashsite is so, I think, you know, you are, you know, well, I mean, the, I mean, you do a lot of the writing uh, and his images are just yeah, incredible. You know, is making sure that everything is up to date all the time. I do my, my fair share, but he's the one that, you know, will wake up at three o'clock in the morning and to make sure that that result has been posted. And, you know, he, he's the, he's, he, we are two lunatics who work for <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, completely lunatics, you know, um, uh, because we just work 24 hours a day. We, I don't think he has taken a, a day off in his life. Yeah. Uh, the last yeah. time I took a, a morning off was in July 2010. Um, we actually called each other and said, okay, you know, say in August, uh, we said, okay, what, what are we doing today? He said, well, we could take a day off. I said, well, okay then. Okay. And then two hours later, we called each other and said, how are you doing? He said, I'm bored. Okay, back to work. It, you know, it's not, uh, so we are both very, very, very hard workers. Um, Steve is, is a never ending worker. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, he's extraordinary at multitasking. No, I remember, uh, uh, I remember in Dubai, uh, I, I showed up for, for the event. I thought I showed up early, but he was there probably well before me. And then uh, I was told that he was the last one to leave uh, just about every day as well. So. Yeah, we, we are always the first ones to arrive and the last one to leave, really. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a very nice story, which I, I think, you, you know, you, you will like. We were working in St. George's, which is, you know, Weybridge, right. uh, the club, or they changed the security doors. Um, and it was for the British Open. It was a qualifying or the first round, I can't remember, a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, we were put in an office which was above the, the swimming pool. And basically, by the time we finished, everybody had left. They closed <laughs> the club. Yeah. They forgot about us. So imagine us. It's sort of like it's dark everywhere. <laughs> we are trying to not break anything as, yeah. you know, going down. And of course, as you would, you start the, the bloody alarm, you know, yeah. because obviously you're not supposed to be there. And so we eventually made our way up. Out and we were, you know, stopped by the police and we were exiting things saying, oh, you're not who we are looking for. And we thought, yes, actually, we are. But it was so funny. This is, you know, how much that work. <laughs> Always the last one to, you know, to leave. So it's quite funny. But it's not just squash site. It's the press, you know, it's the same with the PSA team, you know. Uh, they yeah. always, you know, we, we always have to fight to get a shuttle, you know, back or, you know, press is always the last one leaving and everybody's like enjoying and having a beer at the bar, you know, or having a meal. And we're like, well, no, you know, the work starts now. The work yeah. starts when everybody, you know, is going home, when the refs are, are heading for the bar and getting, you know, completely slushed. Well, that's when we started to work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, I was just, I'd like to know what you think. I mean, squash site right now, I mean, back, back maybe 20 years ago there was squash talk there were a couple of other yeah. websites yeah. and they were they were also you know uh, very Beck. good ron, ron Beck. Beck. Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. uh without question though nowadays a squa uh, squash site is the uh, is the uh, the global uh uh news source for the squash community i would say so in your estimation why do you think uh a squash site has arrived at this place where it, it has become what it is well, first of all, I think, you know, um, squash site is a very, very, uh, deter you know, 
I would say small, but you know, not small is probably not the right. If you look at PSA, PSA has got like 25 people working there. They are mm. huge, you know. Um, so saying that squash that is the biggest is probably not, you know, accurate. But um, I think the fact that, like I said, Steve is, is you know, working day and night, you know, and, and I'm, I'm doing my fair share. Uh, is probably why you cannot, you know, this is, you know, we, we work all the time. So that's one thing. Uh, the broadness, you know, where we cover everything in the world, more or less, you yeah. know, that, uh, you know, starting from 5k, um, with whether it's juniors, whether it's masters, whether, you know, which, which, you know, is, is a lot of work. And, and when Across we need the globe as well, you know, yeah, you, you're probably going to find it in squash, on squash side because we are covering it, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, um, and I always say we do not do anything extraordinary, but we do it every day. Right. I think that's the secret. We just do it every day, day in, day out. Uh, we are in constant, what I call the, the l'urgence tranquille, the tranquil, urgence tranquille, tranquil. urgence, yes. You know, yes. which is that we are constantly, constantly, um, um, yeah, we are constantly. You got your finger, finger on the pulse of what's going on. Yeah, at the same time, it's a normal way of, of working. You know, mm-hmm. when yeah. I see, for example, people say, "Oh, we don't need squash side because you know we've made a beautiful side." Yes, I'm sure you have. Now, who is going to watch it? Who is going to read it? And who is going to to make it happen as the event happens? Right. It's all you know. It's all very well to do a great website and it looks bloody good. Yes, we, you know, maybe we can't do that because we don't have the things, we, we do a basic stuff, but mm. we make, you know, we, we've got the people that are going to see it for you, we will bring you the, 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 the readers, and we make it happen while the match is, you know, is happening. Well, that's, what I, that's what I was just going to say, Fram. Um, for me, I mean, with, like with any sport, I love sports, you know, I love all sports, and uh, obviously we're not being, we don't have... Uh, Squash is not on BT Sport or ESPN to to find the uh, the scores of the latest uh, tournaments. So, your your website actually uh, Squash site does a great job of keeping things updated as they happen, and that that's fantastic in my estimation. And that's well, what Squash like community said, really uh, wants. Know, PSA does it very well as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They installed, you know, something which is amazing, which is a little tablet that they give to the referees, which means that whatever happens in the world, you know, it's, it's live. It's live on, on their website, which, yeah. you know, is incredible. You know, that, that eff- just that is incredible effort, which allows sites like ours to be able to keep up to date. Plus, of course, you know, the fact that, you know, we, we receive news from the rest of the world and update it, you know, in the middle of the night if we have. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I agree with you, but it's also, uh, I don't want to undermine, you know, but the, the work that PSA is doing allows us as well to be who we are, if you yeah. see what I mean. Well, squash, I think the squash community really needs to work together like that in order to, in order to uh, overcome sort of our, our limitations. I agree. I agree. It's, it's, it's all, uh, um, it's, it's difficult sometimes because we are a very, very small community and sometimes... There's people you do not like. There's people that have done something bad to you and you right. don't necessarily want to, to work with them. But there's very few of them, you know? Right. Yeah. And 
you know, it's very important. I'm always trying, and God knows I've got, you know, it's, it's not easy sometimes. But always try to make sure that we work with everybody. Sometimes the differences are, you know, so bad that you say, no, this one, I'm sorry, but really, no. But uh, as much as we can, we try to work with everybody as much as we can, as much as we can. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, that, I mean, it's uh, working together like that's going to create what, uh, obviously, like you said, create what you have with the squash side in collaboration with, with everyone, but in particular with the, the efforts of the PSA. So really, uh, really the good efforts stuff. The efforts of the PSA, I meant, you know, I don't think, you know, I, I read sometimes on, on forums that make me mad, you know, criticizing this and criticizing mm. PSA and criticizing squash TV. And you're like, you have no idea. You have no idea of how hard those people are working, mm. you know, for for squash, dedication yeah. with you know the, the the constant trying to make it better, to to you know, okay, we don't you know they don't do it perfectly, but they are they are trying, and and I wish the people that criticize you know would come and work for a week, or with with PSA Squash TV, or with you know the office of PSA, or you know with Squash Site, or and realize realize that you know on the swan you know lake you've got that lovely swan you know sliding away and you've got everybody's little legs you know down you know below the water yeah yeah, yeah. To make the bloody thing happen you know <laughs> yeah. or, you know mohammed or, or, or nick matthew used to say nick matthew used to say about Chavana, and uh, you know, Ahmed says the same about Karim Abdelgawad. He says, you know, Karim makes it look so easy and I make it look hard. It's a bit like that. People don't realize the hard work that yeah, PSA it's... is producing, you know. And you can report a lot of things to everybody all the time. You can be negative all the time, I agree, you know. But a little, you know, chapeau hats off to what PSA comes from and what they're achieving at the moment. And, you know, if you don't start me on the Olympics, because no. I don't care. We, we don't need okay? to go there. Don't we care. don't need to go there. I don't, no. care. No. I don't care. What, well, what they've uh, done everything they could. Everybody, yeah. you know, WSF, uh, Ziad, PSA, everybody has been bending over backwards for them. They do not want us. They are not interested. Fine. Fine. It's okay. Move yeah. on. Yeah, move Moving. on. Well, we have the Pan Am Games coming up and also the Commonwealth Games. And uh, both those uh, competitions have served us very, very well over the years. So we'll, we'll just have to, uh, you know, live with that. Yes. Yeah. And the Asian Games. And, Asian you know, Games, so many yeah. things happening on the, other, on the other side of the... World of the, University the Games. Yeah. It's, World it's, Masters it's, Games. You know, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I think even in Canada, the Olympic Games or something. Yeah, the uh, well, we've we've got well, the, seven the winter games, winter. The winter games, the Canadian, the Can yes. Canadian winter games. Yeah, yeah. They're so just putting you know snow on the court. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that would be fun. That, that we should try that sometime. <laughs> but uh, now, Fram, I just wanted to ask, uh, talk to you. Now, the 2018-19 campaign is uh, it's officially over, although there's still uh, several events going on throughout the year now. But uh, I thought this year was fantastic. Uh, we had some, some great storylines, uh, both on the, the men's side and the women's side. For me, anyways, it was, uh, you know, Kareem Abdul-Gawad, his resurgence, uh, Paul Cole coming uh, into uh, a very high level. And then, so, as you mentioned earlier, several new Egyptians, including Abu and, 
and Mustafa Asal, the young Egyptian who's coming up and playing well now. Uh, the the storylines are there, and on the women's side, for me, uh, the reemergence of Noran Gohar, as well as just the whole the entire women's game being such a fantastic uh, part of the game. Uh, Twenty eighteen really highlighted that for me. What what did you uh, see uh, at the end of this season? Well, for me, uh, for me, it's the loss of so many players. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that we've lost Nick. Um, you know, uh, Nick Matthew, uh, yeah. we've lost Laura, we've lost Nicole, we've lost Jenny, we've lost, you know, um, you know, one, I think, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, I feel very old, you know, I really do feel very old. I feel like um, it's a whole, I didn't see them growing up and suddenly they are out, you know. Um, and when you think about Nicole's dominance, you know, I, I, I was there, you know, the first time she won the, her first world title, world, world, world title in, in, in Hong Kong. Um, and I was there, you know, last, her last match. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to miss them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like... Um, Big bunch, big. Um, yeah, you watched them grow up, didn't you? Yeah, you know, it's like they are leaving home. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I had the same thing with Cherry Lanku when 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 you retired, because you know Cherry was the first big French, you know, to arrive to that thing, and yeah. and uh, I was lucky to speak the same language, and I was lucky to get very close to his family, his mom and dad, who absolutely adore. Yeah, and uh, and he become like my little brother, you know not because he was French, but more because he was from La Réunion, which was close to my home, home, uh, you know, my Madagascar, where I was born. And so for a lot of different reasons, uh, um, we became very close. And when he left, it was the, 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 the whole, you know, um, mm. became huge. Um, and it's been the same now, you know, we don't have Rami anymore. Right. We don't have Nicole, we don't have Lord. They're all gone, you know? And I'm, I'm, I, know, I know for a fact that Mohammed, Shobagi, that everybody thinks he's, he's tough and he's not, you know, they don't, some, a lot of people don't like his personality. And, and he was so sad. And when, when Rami announced we were, you know, uh, we were in Guna and, and, and Mohammed and I, we just cried together. Mm, yeah. We just cried together when Ram, we knew it was going to happen, you know, and, and Mohammed actually, you know, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't yeah. handle it. And I'm in the same position. All my, my babies are gone, you know. New babies are coming, yes. But the loss is very, very dramatic. Well, it was very dramatic uh, this year, wasn't it? Now, just in terms of um, Nicole, if you don't mind, I mean, you, you've obviously, like, like you said, you've watched them all grow up. But when you look back to Nicole, what a, I mean, the greatest uh, female player of all time, you can't really argue that one. Uh, but what do you remember – sort of about her through the years, uh, some special memories that stand out for you uh, watching her throughout the years? I think the main thing, first thing I would say, I never, ever saw her argue with a ref. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. She won everything and she never once argued with a referee. 
Yeah. That's the first thing. No, I've never seen her uh, argue with a ref. Yeah. Never. No. Ever. She, uh, I never saw her uh, block. I never saw her um, being nasty, being aggressive. She just graced us with her presence on court. And it didn't mean that she was not fighting. That didn't mean that she was, you know, um, you know, no, she was just the best by being the best. Yeah. She didn't need, use, or, you know, or want to have anything else than squash on court. She, she worked. She had an immense support team. You know, from a yeah. very young age, Malaysia, uh, the government of Malaysia, and she always makes sure that she says that all the time, supported her. You know, um, they were paying for, for her coaching in, uh, in, in Amsterdam with Lizzie Irving. You know what I mean? So she had the support. I think from the age of 12, mm -hmm. uh, she had a mental coach. I could right. be wrong on the age. It could be 14, but it's that young. Um, she had a physio, you know, Ronald, bless him, who, who left us uh, a few, few years ago, far, far too early, who was Canadian as well, right. um, and who looked after her body. You know, well, that was one thing about, uh, about Nicole. I mean, uh, I spoke to Liz Irving, and I think she, Liz said she basically didn't have any injuries throughout her career. It's amazing. No, she, she, I think she had one niggle, yeah. you know, maybe about three years ago, you know, she had a niggle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crying out loud, you know. Yeah. So she, she was, um, but yes, what I would, I would remember her, the two or three losses that she had. Um, one was in uh, in Australia for the Commonwealth Games, uh, I think, where she lost. Uh, yeah. I remember her losing it to uh, to um, Shirley Kitchen, I think, in in uh, in Madrid, in the yes. first, first round, second one, which was completely you know uh, unexpected. Uh, and there was one loss I can't remember, in Qatar, where she normally was very good. And I remember I was lucky enough to be close enough to her to be there when that happened. And she, she didn't know how to handle, you know, she was crying so much. And the emotions that were pouring out of her mm. was absolutely incredible. You know, um, she was suddenly a little girl. Yeah. She was suddenly a little girl. And, and every time she would lose a match, she would come back having lost about two kilos just because she would, you know, she was just work harder, work harder, work harder, work harder. Uh, that was her way to react. And one day I told her, I told her, girl, now you've got to lose a bone if you want to lose more weight because, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Well, she, she always looked, she always looked so, so fit. And uh, she, like you said, she exemplified how the game truly ought to be played. And, and uh, that was a real, uh, your tribute to her there was, uh, was spot on. She was always yeah. kind. Yeah. She was always kind. She's always humble. She's always smiling. She's always respectful. She, like I said, she's a true model on court, off court. She's one of the nicest person. She's got a wicked sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, she, she really has got respect for everybody. And, you know, she never says a bad word about anybody. It's, it's, she's incredible. Mm. She's purely and simply incredible. Yeah. Now, uh, also on, on the women's side, uh, Fran, uh, Laura Macero and, and Jenny Duncalf, uh, both uh, uh -huh. retired amongst others. But uh, uh, for me, uh, uh, 
uh, Laura, perhaps uh, I'm not, you may not agree with me, but uh, maybe she didn't get the respect uh, that she deserved. Uh, she was a world champion and a world number one. Uh, so talk about uh, Laura just for a second and what stood out to you about uh, Well, about Laura, her I think, you know, she's one of, for me, Laura and Nick Matthew are very alike. Mm. Uh, it's maybe not the juniors people would have bet on. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, with the work of all their coaches, and I think in particular David Pearson, I'm sorry if I miss, you know, others, but I think what David Pearson, uh, the collaboration, Nick Matthew, David Pearson, Laura Massaro, has been extraordinary. He managed to get out of Nick and Laura extraordinary champions. Yeah. Mentally extraordinary. They are both as incredibly mentally. If you ask any players, oh, yeah. men or women, say who is strongest mentally, it will immediately be Laura Massaro and Nick Matthew for the men. Immediately. Right. There's no. no doubt, no Laura Massaro. I saw her, I saw Laura, it's, it's the match I will take with me, uh, is we were in Qatar. Laura was playing, I think it was in the final, yes, final, against Noura Shabini. Imagine Qatar, okay? Yeah. And Noura Huge Shabini, Egyptian population. The young kid yeah. from the world, you know, junior there. She's, she's adored over there, obviously. Yeah. And she's carried by the crowd. And if I remember well, she was too love up. I could be wrong, but I, you know. And, and Laura came back. There was one person in the crowd that was for her. It was her husband. That was, <laughs> come on, Laura. Come on, Laura. You know, bless him. He was the only one. She managed to come back, to claw back. To, and, and the crowd was incredibly supportive of Laura, as they would. Um, and, she, and she won. Mm. And that, for me, was the moment I said, you know, to myself, say that is really what is a champion is all about. Yeah, you're too low down. Yeah. You're against the crowd. You're playing one of the, you know, probably the most gifted, you know, young player coming up, no pressure ever, and she managed to get it. That yeah. was, you yeah. know, an, an incredible, incredible, and that is for me the quintessence of Laura. Yeah, exactly. And Nick Matthew, uh, in his own way, although. Uh, you know, he had such a prolific career regardless, but uh, he, he had the same uh, makeup exactly. as Laura. Exactly, that's why I put yeah. them together. Yeah. That, you know, I remember, you know, um, his dad, and that is, I will, I will, I will have to, to die with that shame. His dad asking me years and years ago, uh, they invited me in their home in, 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 at the time it was still in Sheffield, in their big house in Sheffield. And the dad asked me, well, what do you think, you know, um, you, you see Nick going? And Nick was at the time probably top. 15, I think. And well, I said, you know, I never, ever, ever would have thought Nick would become world champion or world number one. I thought, I thought he can be a top five, you know, very, very, very tough worker, very, you know, very strong mentally. I saw, I said to him, top five. Oh my God, was I wrong? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And now when people ask me, what do you think of that? I say, well, you know, I don't know much about, you know, Squash, really. <laughs> as, as Nick said, you know, we were in, in Broadgate one day and he just, you know, I was doing an after, after interview with him and his, his dad was there. And uh, I said, well, you know, Nick, I think that maybe that and that happened. And he looked at me and said, Fram, you know, fuck all about squash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I keep on reminding him of that when he says, did I lose a match? And I said, yes. He said, well, that, that's, that figures. Then he was, you know, no, it, it's, it's, Nick is, is probably, you know, the, 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 
the most amazing surprise that you know of my career as a squash, you know, squash reporter is yeah. you know seeing that that player that could have been you know a, yeah a good top five player becoming you know one of the legends of of a game that I you know he really he with his dad I think um, I read somewhere you know the best gift you can give somebody is believing in them and I think you know Headley is the reason why Nick was so successful because he completely believed in his son and, and he made it happen for him just yeah. by being there and believing in him. Yeah, 100%, uh, Fram. And uh, also, uh, Jenny, uh, Jenny Duncalf uh, recently retired, and uh, we all know that she spent uh, all those years in the shadow of uh, Nicole David uh, at number two in the world. But uh, what a great talent uh, she was. So, uh, very, very share? talented. Yeah. Very, very, her again, you know, um, she, I did a little interview with her. I don't know if, you, if you've seen it, uh, my breakfast with her. Uh, if you haven't, maybe have a look where okay. she talks about, you know, um, the moment that she actually was able to transform herself from being a bit, you know, a bit heavy um, uh, and very gifted with a racket. But when she met Rachel Greenham, who became her partner, yeah. um, and uh, she says, you know, how Rachel was very fit and how she was into oh, dieting yeah. and how, how she transformed her. And those, you know, I asked her, what is your best memory of squash? She said, well, the three years where really I was winning tournaments and I was you know we were going with Rachel over the world and you know it, it was like that that's that's probably you know her best memories of squash is you know that that three years period where she actually reached the world you know championship I think it was Rotterdam 2011 um, yeah. against against Nicole um, but you know yes she was very unlucky a bit like Ross Norman, you know, was mm. a bit unlucky to have Jackie Akan in his new pass you know yeah, yeah <laughs> like, exactly but like, uh, but like Ross, he, he, she did. But like Ross, she did manage a win, uh, I think, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think what what is amazing in 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 Jenny is that she already has got a new career, which is yes. and she. Um, I was listening to her commenting on, on Squash TV a few years back, and I was like, I really commenting her how great it was to listen to her. And apparently, that's what she said in my interview. She said that you know, Libby Chill approached her one day. I said. How would you feel, you know, about, about you know asking the players question at the end? She was like, uh, "Why? <laughs> Why me?" <laughs> and um, and actually, she's extra. You know, she's really, really good. She's really a great MC. She, you know, she was doing games uh, during the, you know, uh, the the DP. Uh, you know, I think she was doing the DPD as well. She yeah. she was doing games and making the crowd participate, and you know, in in Cairo as well. And she's she's natural. Natural that works, obviously. Yeah. You know, yeah, she likes the crowd. The kids like her. You know, she, she's the question she's asking. Well, you know, is I don't even need to go and, and, and talk with the players after sometimes because the question she's asking is enough for me to be able to convey what the, the players was trying to do on this match. So absolutely, she's well, just she amazing. she was a player herself, really and she knows the players. So uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly, she knows exactly what question to ask, doesn't she? Yeah. Now. Uh, also, uh, Fram, and I know, uh, uh, you know, what a unique relationship you had with, uh, with Rami. He's someone uh, you were very close with, um, and uh, I think the entire squash community was devastated, uh, has been devastated for the last uh, few years, just the way his career has gone and, and the struggles he's gone through. Um, so just wondering if you could uh, 
maybe take us inside a little bit. I know uh, it'd be difficult for you. It's difficult for us all, but uh, over the last little while, what it uh, might've been like for him uh, over this time uh, for Rami. Yeah. I, I used to say that, you know, uh, while he was on the tour, that I was probably the person that knew him best on the tour. And yet I didn't know him at all. That summarized the, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the man and, and, and um, I, I, you know, I, I, when I, when I started working on his wall of, uh, hall of fame, um, and, and I don't break any secret because, you know, uh, Tom Richards actually mentioned it himself when Rami retired. The first recorded match of Rami is again Tom Richards in the under 12, I think, at the time he was under 12. Okay. Uh, yeah. BGO in British Junior Open. And it's 11 love, it's nine love, nine love, nine love. Yeah. Against Tom Richards, who was not a bad player. No. You know what no. I mean? Yeah. Tom is, and, and when junior. I, and when yeah. I, and when I said to Rami, he said, yeah, I can remember the love coming from the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, unfortunately for Rami, you know, that, that the physical um, trouble that he had from the age of 14, you know, took over. Hmm. Um, it was from that, but, that age, eh? From, from when he yeah, was quite that's, young. That's when, yeah. you know, he had that surgery where basically they took a bit of his, uh, of his armstring and, and used it for the, for the, for the knee which unfortunately weakened his, his leg forever and, and, and causing more of his trouble. I actually put a, a photo of him, you know, you can see actually a, like, a, like a U shape in his, uh, in his, in his arm string. Yeah, ridiculous. I've noticed that. Um, yeah. It's, you know, um, um, Rami is probably the, the most flamboyant and unplayable player that you can you, you will ever find because because of his head uh because of his brain he was playing like his brain works mm. everything is just done split second like like you he always says you know it's like people drive in cairo if you ever came to cairo and see the way that people drive they just overtake when they want there's no lines there's no you know there's no rules there's no stops there's no you know the traffic lights are sometimes followed but not you know be careful anyway uh the one ways don't exist rami is like that rami is somebody that will play with with just the instinct of the moment and with uh skills that was given you know he, he learned very quickly to to play squash with his brother isham isham was the gifted one mm. oh yeah well i've, I've seen okay. some video uh, he, he's been on youtube uh you follow, uh, I think you, yeah. you're, you're on Squash Stories, right? You, you've seen the Jamie yeah. Maddox. Uh, Jamie likes to post uh, Hisham Ashur videos on there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Hisham was actually, you know, um, the, the one that taught his little, you know, brother uh, how to, to, to use the racket. <laughs> right. um, yeah. But we didn't have maybe the, the you know, the, the will and the physical will to, to, to keep, you know, working, whereas Rami had that. You know, I remember Mohammed saying to me, I never saw Rami breathe hard. Mm. He said, at least breathe hard, he was saying to me. You know, <laughs> when he was at the, at the, you know, he said, I can't believe. He said, you're playing a match with, you know, match with, with Rami. And, he's, you know, you've got rallies. He's not even breathing hard. Yeah. Physically. How discouraging that, that must be, eh? 
You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, 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 and Mohammed was like, you know, it's so discouraging. It's, and he was saying the difference between with Rami and me, he says, me, I will, when I'm, when I, when I'm out of the match, I will come back because of my mental strength. Was Rami will come back because he's not tired because of his physical qualities. Right. You know, uh, people always see the, 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 the flashy things from, from Rami. But no, what, what made it very special as well was the ability to retrieve. Oh, it was 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And that was allowing him to have so much time to adjust his, 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 his shots. But so, don't, ask, don't ask Rami what he was doing tactically. He didn't have a clue. <laughs> he, yeah. he was not building anything. He would just arrive on court and feel the opponent, feel what, you know, and just feel what the ball needed to be. Or, or he had the talent, to, but he never really had a tactic. Yeah. And for years, he refused to talk with coaches. He, he started at the end, you know, uh, you know, um, talking with Alborosi and you know, and 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 recently with Isham um, um, which is a, an extraordinary coach. He's based in, in the U.S. or Canada. I'm not sure which one. Sorry, I think it's the U.S. Um, and, and but Rami, um, uh, because it would confuse him if you were telling him send the ball here, or he would confuse him because <laughs> you know, yeah. don't tell me, don't. Talk. Sometimes when I was analyzing a match with him at the end, and you know. He was like, Trump, don't tell me. Don't, 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 don't tell me what I did. I, I don't want to know. Because <laughs> yeah. it would break his, his rhythm. Yeah. You know? I, I, I guess, I mean, given, given you know, the struggles that he went through, towards, especially towards the end of his career, he might have been searching for, for a way back. Uh, maybe, maybe because of that, he, he tried approached everything. other coaches. Yeah. He tried everything. Yeah. He tried everything. You, know, to, with the, the, you, you have no idea of the money he spent. Uh, trying to get his body sorted. He yeah. tried everything in the planet. He yeah. tried to change his training. He tried to change his, his warm-up. He tried to change the way he was, you know, playing. He tried to, you know, surgeries, physios. Uh, he, he tried everything because squash was completely his life. You know, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't enjoy being famous. He just enjoyed playing. Yeah. No, it was, you know, I mean... enjoyed playing. Yeah, uh, um, there was nothing better uh, than watching him play. In my estimation, uh, the greatest player to come along since Jahangir Khan, and then add to that the char the charisma that just that that he brought to the game. I think he's unlike anything that we've ever seen before on the squash court. He was he was absolutely adored by the kids. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And the only yeah. player I ever seen that <clears throat> that key, you know. Is Mustafa Hassal, yeah, the young kid that is. Uh, when we were in Black Ball, for example, uh, there was absolutely no kids. Suddenly, Mustafa is, is due to play. I'm swamped, completely swamped, by hundreds of kids who just came to watch Mustafa, mm. and then they left. Yeah. And with Rami, it was the same. Rami, he would arrive somewhere. And in Guna, for example, it was absolutely incredible. The kids were, he couldn't breathe. He had to run to his car to yeah. be able you know, to escape. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He had, but he, had, he, had the he had the totally the, the, the right personality, and so does Mustafa from what I can see, the, totally the right personality to, you know, he, he enjoyed, probably enjoyed,
being around the kids. And that, that's what makes him so special uh, as a personality for the know. game. He's just, yeah, he's just very, he, he, you know, Rami, when he was young, looked very, very big, but, you know, he was tall. And, but he was still a kid, you know. He, yeah. he looked, I always, I'd always describe, you know, um, like him, he had, like, you know, the, 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 the little dogs when they're very, very, the puppies, when the, the, suddenly the legs grow and the rest <laughs> of the body hasn't. And they yeah. just, you know, it's like a bit of a mess when they try to move. Well, Rami was a bit the same. He had two very, very long legs and very long arms. And, you know, and he was like very, very big, like a giant. And Mustafa is a bit the same, yeah. basically. You know, but, you know. It, you know Mustafa he, seems quite, Mustafa seems quite big now, though, does he? Physically, he, he looks very strong for his age. He's, uh, yes, he has actually started working a bit on the physical side because he was not working that, that much and, you know, right. it was starting to be heavy on the on the body. Uh, you, you know, let's try to avoid what happened to Rami. You know, right. uh, when you're a bit too too heavy for for your 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 joints. Uh, so he's working very hard, Mustafa. You know, he's working very hard to try and get fitter and fitter, which which is going to make him very very again very very difficult to beat. But Absolutely. no, Rami, um, it, it's um, it was not easy to. Um, to understand sometimes, but um, once you understood that there was just a big, big emotion and a big, big uh, demon inside and a lot of voices talking to him and, you know, it's all that that made it incredibly difficult to play because yeah. there was absolutely no way you could know or read his game. And that's what uh, Mohammed yeah. said about him. He said, you know, uh, he said, when you play Karim Abdel Gawad, what makes him difficult is the, the way he, he puts the shots together, is the combinations of the shots, the way he builds up the shots that are going to put you into trouble. But with Rami, it was like you have not a clue. Yeah. The shot is so incredible. You cannot imagine that he's going to play that, and he does. Highly unpredictable and very, very, very effective uh, in doing so. Yeah. Well, Fran, Fram, um, you've been really, really great with your time and uh, really uh, fantastic tributes to all of those uh, players that, that have recently retired. I just want to uh, thank you so much for, uh, for this wonderful chat. Well, thank you for the hard work you're producing. Thank you for the hard work you're producing. Thank, thank you, Fram. And uh, Andrew Shelley, that you received a few, you know, a few months ago, weeks ago, um, is actually going to start like um, a place where we are going to have all the history of squash kept, oh, and good. I think you will be part. Of it. And I think you will be part of it. Absolutely. Well, that that'd be great. I, I look forward to that. That was a, uh, an enjoyable chat as well uh, with Andrew. But uh, Fram, I really appreciate you uh, doing this, and uh, love to do it again uh, in the future down the road. Okay, with pleasure. Thank you very much, Jerry. Well, wasn't that amazing? Framboise Gomendi on episode 89 uh, doesn't get much better than that. She's got so much insight, so much uh, history with these players, an intimate history that she's cultivated, like I said, over the years. And thank, I'd just like to thank her again for uh, sharing uh, everything with us today. And uh, also, everybody, um, in case you hadn't noticed, I'm a little bit banged up. I've got a bit of a 
sinus issue I'm trying to get through it got the green tea uh, going here a little bit of Advil cold and flu um, I think it must be the change in weather. It's suddenly it, it's become extremely hot and humid uh, here in the UAE, and uh, I'm going to try to plow my way through that. I feel good, uh, but just the sinus uh, issue. I had sinusitis a few years ago, many, many years ago, and uh, it was not fun, so I'm hoping uh, uh, it's definitely not that extreme this time around, but I just have to get uh, sort of battle through this and... Uh, you know, drink lots of ginger. I guess ginger tea is supposed to be what you need to take. But um, at any rate, yes, uh, again, thanks, Framboise, uh, for uh, for that wonderful uh, chat about squash and your history and, uh, you know, and uh, things going forward. And, of course, those tributes to, to all of those that retired. Uh, I'd like to uh, express my gratitude to Fran for sharing all of that uh, with us. And everyone, I hope your uh, your squash is uh, going well. Um, I'm playing tomorrow. I've played a, a few times this week despite the, uh, the sinus issue, and it seems to be going okay. Uh, fatigue sets in a little more quickly, but, uh, you know, still, uh, the racket, uh, racket does the work, and I hope it goes well for you as well. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for sharing, for listening uh, to the podcast, and for sharing with your friends in the squash community, in your respective uh, squash communities. Please continue to do so. Um, what we have coming up, uh, amongst other podcasts, uh, is I'm going to be focusing a little bit on, uh, you know, we can't focus on the Olympic Games, obviously, but we do have the Pan Am Games coming up, and I've got players from several of the different countries, also coaches, uh, hopefully coming on in the near future to talk about what that means to them. And, uh, you know, Canada did win the team event the last time around, so I know the U.S. is, uh, uh, you know, ramping up, and, uh, you know, they're definitely keen to uh, to win that, uh, although there are several other countries, uh, Colombia, the Peruvians, uh, the Mexicans, they're all going to have something to say about that too. So I'm going to try to get as many of the players and coaches on that I can in the lead up to that event, and it should be uh, a good one. Uh, we have the Pan Am Games, obviously, and the Commonwealth Games, and other, other big uh, international events. So, you know, we don't really, we'd love to be in the Olympics, but uh, we have to embrace those that we have. So I'm going to uh, embrace the Pan Am Games, so we'll have several uh, players and coaches uh, on over the next few weeks. So no, uh, well, I know I'll enjoy that and I hope you will too. Uh, everyone, thanks again for listening. Have a great day and uh, keep up the great squash. Goodbye now.